So some of the normal things that happen, and which is why, by the way, we don't see 50-year-olds competing in the Olympics, usually, because there's a normal process of decreased muscle mass, decreased bone density. So especially for females, that piece is important because as your bones get less dense, you are now more likely to develop osteoporosis. So there's natural things. Um, as we go through menopause, there are going to be hormonal changes and many women will find that their body shape changes. So where they hold their fat versus muscle will change as their hormones change. There's all sorts of things that happen. I'm Jackie Reed, Emmy award-winning journalist, longtime TV and radio host, and vegan. I created this podcast to give you tips on how easy, delicious, inexpensive, healthy, and fun eating vegan can be. We'll also talk wellness and just how we can make the world a better place. This is the Vegan Sexy Cool Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Vegan Sexy Cool Podcast. And you know what? Thank you guys for being here. I really do appreciate your support. Now we are continuing our fitness theme for this Veganuary. Today, something for my grown and seasoned ladies out there who have questions and concerns about working out and getting fit and how a vegan diet can benefit those efforts. Now my guest today is fitness and nutrition coach, Karina Inkster, who talks about the importance of staying active, the natural process of aging as a woman and how to stay fit while appreciating getting older and the importance of the right kind of rest and recovery as we age, and so much more. So let's get to it. So Karina, welcome to the Vegan Sexy Cool Podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me on. Much appreciated. Oh, listen, this is a topic I have been wanting to get into. So many of my friends and family members talk about this very topic. Um, you know, getting into fitness or continuing fitness, you know, it, you know, 45 and older really is that age rate we're looking at, you know, but, you know, and beyond that, I'm not talking, you know, let's cut it off at, at, at 55 or 60 even, but even beyond that, I definitely want to talk about the way the body works. But let me ask you first, how are you doing right now in the midst of everything going on in the world? <laughs> well, thanks for asking. You know what? In the scheme of things, our, like my husband and, and I, our daily life is really not that different than it was pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. So we both work from home. We have both run online businesses since 2017. So it's really not day-to-day -day that different for us. It's the social aspect. It's the, we're both musicians, so we have no you know, gigs, we have no music things to go to, the social aspect of having only one other human in our bubble, like, it's been a little bizarre. But honestly, we are doing super well, especially considering what is going on in the world, and how other people have lost jobs and health and family members. And so we're really grateful for our situation. It's um, what all things considered, it's doing okay. What part of the country are you in? Uh, I'm in Canada. I'm on the West Coast in BC. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like, I mean, let's not go down the whole US rabbit hole, but we are doing better, but yeah. not perfect. But yeah. not perfect. No, I get you. But anywhere <laughs> yeah. other than the US, I think is better. 
Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather be anywhere <laughs> rather than here dealing with, even though I, I love living in the U.S., it, just right now, just the way yeah. you handle, but that's a whole other show. Whole other show. <laughs> whole other show. <laughs> so let's get into talking about this fitness thing. And I specifically want to talk about, you know, for women specifically, uh, 45 and older, uh, a lot of what I hear most is my body is changing, my body has shifted, it just is what it is. You know, for women who feel that way, who feel like, well, this is what I've settled into, maybe they, you know, and, and this is for people who haven't worked out consistently, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, like this is people who maybe worked out earlier in life or maybe work out moderately here and there. And they're at that point, they're seeing their body change. They're not happy with it, but they're like, you know, this is just the way it goes. This is gravity. This is life. What would you say to those people who have really kind of given up, but regret it? You know, they, they want to be more fit. Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. I think there's two points to that question. Like, what would you say to someone who's in this situation? One point is, of course, there are normal things that happen as we age. So you know, there's, there's a lot of honestly BS out there about the aging process. And I don't use terms like anti-aging, reversing aging, like, you know, we're, we're lucky to be able to experience aging. Not everybody has that experience. So, you know, on the one hand, there's all this kind of BS around how aging has been marketed to females, especially, and how we don't need to buy into that. And also the idea that there are normal things that happen as we get older, like our muscle mass decreases and our bone density decreases and our hormones change. And that's completely normal. But I really think that a lot of the changes that we experience and what some folks might be saying in the, well, I guess it is what it is type situation. Mm -hmm. A lot of that is not directly the aging process. It's disuse. Mm -hmm. So the whole use it or lose it cliche really does hold some truth in this case. If you are not active, if you're not strength training, especially, especially if you're a female and especially if you're over 40, those things are going to make a huge difference. So now are they going to be the fountain of youth, magic pill, look like you're 20 when you're 62? No, of course not. That's not the point. But if it's being active, being able to do what you want to do during your day, injury-free, pain-free, being able to climb a mountain, do all the stuff you want to do. Like my my grandma, my Omi, spent her 90th birthday in Mexico on the beach. She's 94 now and she's still working out. So like that to me is healthy aging. And so yes, part of it is there's going to be natural processes that happen, but I would say a bigger part of it is you can take charge of how that process is going to unfold. Women who may not be, maybe they're, they're looking at their bodies, they're looking in the mirror and they're like, what is happening? What's naturally going to happen to your body, um, you know, as women, for women particularly, as we get older, what are some of the things that, that are going to happen naturally? Right. Good question. Let me just preface this by saying I'm not an expert in biology and, you know, I haven't done like the whole um, physiology piece of it. The gerontology master's that I did was really on our aging population and health as we get older. That said though, most of our clients, my team and I work with about 60 clients at once. Most of them are over 40 and many of them are over 50. So we work with folks who are in this exact situation every single day. So some of the normal things that happen and which is why 
by the way, we don't see 50 year olds competing in the Olympics usually, because there's a normal process of decreased muscle mass, decreased bone density. So especially for females, that piece is important because as your bones get less dense, you are now more likely to develop osteoporosis. Mm -hmm. That said though, which we can talk about, strength training is the number one way to prevent that. Mm -hmm. So there's natural things. Um, as we go through menopause, there are going to be hormonal changes and many women will find that their body shape changes. So where they hold their fat versus muscle will change as their hormones change. There's all sorts of things that happen. I mean, I'm only 34, but I have a lot of white hair compared to the average 34 year old. Like, I don't know if you can see it, but there's like a streak going on. So, you know, these kind of visible things are happening, but also our cardio capacity, our muscle mass. And I don't mean like bodybuilder, you know, huge muscle mass. I just mean like overall density of muscle in our body. Some things we might not even notice, like our bone density, unless you're getting a bone scan every six to 12 months, you can't really tell where you're at with bone density. So there's a lot of things that are happening kind of behind the scenes, but they're all normal. They're all completely everyday, common, expected parts of aging. But there's a lot we can do, again, to influence how that's going to look for us. Yeah. I think the biggest piece that, that people should lean into, and you tell me if you agree, is not so much trying to necessarily you know, look like JLo if you're over, over uh, 45 or whatever, but mm -hmm. being able to live your life, like you spoke about your grandmother going mm -hmm. to beach, you know, in her nineties, being able to go hiking, be able, being able to go to a yoga class or being Absolutely. able to go for a walk as you get older. And I think a lot of people um, don't realize that when they think about, well, you know, I, I'm, I don't really have to have to work out anymore. That's for young people. I'm not trying to look this way, but it's mm -hmm. really about functionality. It's really about being able to move. Would you agree with that? 100%. Yep. I always tell our clients who usually come to us for primarily aesthetic reasons first, yeah. and then down the road, it morphs into a lot more. I mean, I understand we all have the right to want a particular body type for ourselves. We all have a right to feel comfortable in our own skins. But as you said, if you can tap into some of these other things, like it's not just about being a gym rat. It's about translating the work you're putting in into the rest of your life. What is your pain level? What's your mobility level? Can you do all the things you want to do in your day? Can you go hiking? Can you keep up with the grandkids? All of these things are way more important. And honestly, today is January 13th when we're recording this. In 10 years from now, on January 13th, you know, 10 years from now, you're not going to think back and say, oh man, I'm unhappy with how my triceps looked that day. <laughs> you know, like it's not going to be important. What is going to be important is, are you still around for your kids? Do you have grandkids that you want to keep up with? Are there, hopefully by then we can travel. Are there things that you can do that you want to see in the world um, where you need to have some level of overall physical capability, like walking, hiking, mm -hmm. those things are going to be way more important in the long run. Well, given how our bodies will change women as we get older, what advice would you give for people when they work out? You know, we hear, we've heard the standard for years, 45 minutes of cardio, you know, mm. do some strength training, you know, on top of that, you know, uh, you know, lower body two days a week, upper body, you know, two days a week, you can do abs every day. Like, 
How does that shift when we get older or does it at all? That's a really good question. Why don't we back up a quick step to just the baseline for everybody and then we'll add in the aging factor on top of that. So both our governments, the Canadian government and the US government has guidelines for the minimum amount of physical activity that's gonna get you health benefits. And so for cardio, that's 150 minutes a week. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's going to increase your heart rate to at least what they call a moderate level. So, you know, it's a little bit extra difficult to maintain a conversation. So that's the cardio piece. That's great for heart health, you know, overall ability to go through your day without getting out of breath, all those things. Now, they also say a minimum of two days a week of strength training where you're working all of your major muscle groups. So you're essentially strength training all of your muscles twice a week. And usually around half an hour per session is, is kind of the minimum, right? So if you're going by minimums, two sessions of strength training, which is my priority for bone density, muscle mass, metabolism, all those things, mm-hmm. that's not crazy. You can do that with resistance bands. You can do that with body weight. You can go to the gym if you have that available, but you don't have to. And so more is better though. Yeah. The, the general, up to a point, obviously. So if you can do three days, half an hour, if you can do four days, that's going to be better. Mm -hmm. And it also means that you can start splitting things up into, like you mentioned, upper body and lower body, right? So if you have four days available, for example, that you can strength train, I would definitely split that up into two upper body and two lower body where you're alternating. Day one is upper body, day two is lower body, et cetera. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of individual difference. It, It totally depends what your goals are, but with that baseline, when we then add aging to the mix, it's not so much about frequency, like the, the exact same guidelines apply no matter what age you are. What changes is how you're executing those workouts. So if you're a 21-year-old bodybuilder, you could probably get away with trying to deadlift the most weight you could possibly deadlift. You could probably get away with using subpar form for some of your exercises and not get injured. But as you get older, even into our 30s and obviously beyond mm-hmm. doing that kind of stuff if you're not using correct form if you're doing some high risk activities like you know how much can i lift one time kind of power lifting style that's where the age piece factors in yeah. i don't know if you follow lee boyce he's an amazing coach and actually i was just reading an article by him this morning he's worth following he's amazing oh, wow. um Boyce is B-O-Y-C-E for folks who want to look him up. He's awesome. And there was a line that I actually copied down from an article I read of his that he just put out. And he says, with all things equal, the older we get, the more narrowly we're likely escaping injury with every max effort attempt, every inadequate technique, and every rep performed through pain. So He's saying the more narrowly we're escaping these things as we're getting older. So it just means we need to have a little bit more focus on joint health, on um, making sure that we're not putting ourselves into any subpar form when we're doing lifts, especially with our backs. But this is stuff that we should be focusing on at all points anyway. It just becomes more important as we get older. Yeah. So you mentioned injury. Let's talk about the importance as we get older of resting and recovery um, Mm. of of those parts of of the workout process. Right. You know what? It's really, really hard to overtrain no matter what age you are, Mm -hmm. but it is super easy to under recover. So most people are 
under recovering. They're not overtraining. So recovery is super important, super important. It's actually a really good point. I'm glad you brought it up. And it possibly becomes more important as we get older. Mm -hmm. But recovery is not just hanging out on the couch doing nothing. <laughs> it might be. Of it probably are. <laughs> I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but recovery also encompasses other things in addition to chilling on the couch watching Netflix. It's also active recovery. So really low level things like going for a walk that increase your capability to recover your muscles, but they're not damaging your muscles further. It could involve getting a massage. It could involve foam rolling. It could involve doing some yoga. And it for sure involves nutrition, which a lot of people forget. Recovery is how you're fueling your body after your workout and before, of course. Um, so yeah, I think all of these things relate to recovery and it's super important at every stage of the life cycle. But like Lee Boy said in his article, it just becomes that much extra important as we get older. So given the kind of numbers you gave us on hours of cardio and things like that, how, how many days of recovery would you say, if, if someone's working out five days a week, let's say, um, how many of those days should be recovery and how many of those days should be complete rest, like on the couch watching Netflix? Right. <laughs> Depends on the individual. You know, honestly, for most questions about fitness or nutrition, the answer is it depends. So depends if you're a seasoned strength trainee, you've been lifting weights for 30 years, you don't need to sit on your couch and do nothing. You could train every day if you want, if, you're, if you have a program that makes sense, especially if you're training upper body, lower body, alternating, right? When you have a leg day, for example, your upper body's taking a rest. Yeah. And when you have an upper body day, your legs are resting. So you're still working out, but your muscle groups are recovering properly. So it kind of depends. I wouldn't go from zero to five days a week of training immediately. I would probably ramp that up over a couple of months. Mm -hmm. So it depends on where someone is. It depends on what someone's goals are. But generally, the rule is more movement is better. Yeah. Even, even low level. So I don't mean you have to go and kill yourself CrossFit style every single workout. Mm -hmm. um, that's not the point. That's what's going to lead to injury and, you know, two weeks on the couch because you broke something, <laughs> which we don't want, obviously. But uh, yeah, it, it totally depends. Some people will do five days a week straight, like Monday to Friday, and then they'll take weekends off. And other people will do like Monday, Tuesday, working out Wednesday off, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, working out Sunday off. Depends on your schedule. There's a lot of different factors. I like that. And I like the idea of, you know, kind of like a minimally active recovery, you know, mm -hmm. going for a swim, for example, or going for a walk, exactly. do, doing yoga, doing something, just making sure you're moving, but still giving your body an opportunity to recover. Okay. So let's talk to the people, Karina, the women who have really not been working out most of their lives. Maybe they mm -hmm. did little things here and there, but it was just never something after high school, let's say, that they leaned into. But they want to start. And mm -hmm. they're in their 50s, let's say. Where would you say that they begin? Really good question. First of all, if you're listening to this and you're in that situation, you are not alone. There are so many women in the exact, exact same situation right now. So part of it is maybe you need to find some folks online nowadays because we're not doing in-person things 
who are in the same situation. One of the things that we do in our coaching is we have a group where all of our clients are together. Everyone's vegan. So that's kind of like the um, defining factor for working with us. Right. But it's a, it's a support group. Basically it's people who are in the same boat and it can be really helpful. So even if you just have one buddy or someone who's in the same situation, that can be kind of like a background helpful um, kind of context. But really when it comes down to it, right now in pandemic world, it is a little bit different. Yeah. Not everyone has gym access right now. A lot of places are closed and rightly so. And even when gyms are open, there's a lot of folks who are not comfortable going to said gyms, which also is completely understandable. So now more than ever, I think finding something that works that you can do at home where you don't have to go to a facility is going to be probably the most bang for your buck, honestly. And my pick is resistance bands. Hmm. Number one piece of equipment, super cheap. It's basically a gym in a tiny little, like smaller than a shopping bag. (laughs) Um, I might be a little biased because my latest book is all about strength training with resistance bands. And it actually came out just this past May, right in the middle of all the gym closures. And we had no idea. My publisher and I had planned this for like a year, right? So we had no idea this was going to happen. Now everybody's freaking out, working at, at, working out at home being like, oh my God, what do I do? (laughs) And why do you like resistance bands, let's say more than free weights? I like resistance bands for a lot of reasons, especially for folks who are starting out with strength training. Cause you don't have to buy like 10 different pairs of dumbbells, which take up a lot of room and they're super expensive and you're jumping from five pounds to eight pounds to 10 pounds to 12 pounds. There's kind of these set jumps that you have to take. Whereas in resistance bands, you could just move slightly further away from the anchor point, or you could move closer. You could add a band to the one you're using. You could subtract a band. There's just so many smaller ways of adjusting the difficulty level that even within a set, like you're doing your 10 reps and you're at rep number seven and you're like, nah, this isn't hard enough. You can make it harder while you're doing your set. You can't do that with dumbbells. So um, it's super useful. You can do them outside, take them to the beach, take them to the park. For our clients who are traveling, obviously now there's not a ton of traveling going on, but when there was, we would create resistance band travel workouts that folks could do in their hotel rooms with basically no space. So it's super portable. But um, it's really effective strength training Mm -hmm. and you don't need dumbbells. You don't need a bench. You don't need super expensive equipment. Yeah, I I like the thought of that. So you like if they're just beginning, starting with resistance bands and how often should they be working out? How do they, because these are folks who just have no idea how to approach this. Yeah. You know what works really well for folks who are just starting out and who really have it as a priority to create a habit for themselves? Yeah. It really works to break it into small chunks and do like 10 minutes, five or six days a week. Instead of being like, oh man, I got to do an hour workout now, after which you're probably going to be sore, completely normal, especially if you're a newbie. But if you break it into 10 minute chunks and you do 10 minutes a day, let's say six days a week, that's an hour of strength training that you just added to your week. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to do it in, you know, three 20 minute workouts or two half an hour workouts or one hour long workout. And it just kind of gets the habit going of like, oh, okay, so I'm setting aside this time for intentional working out for intentional strength training. That's one option. It depends on people's schedules though. Sometimes that doesn't work and we need to do three days a week, 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. But 
that's where you can start. Honestly, you will see a lot of results in 10 minutes a day with a program that makes sense, of course, yeah. not just standing around doing a hundred bicep curls and being like, yeah, my workout's done for the day. <laughs> um, but it doesn't need to be a lot. Like the whole idea of going to the gym and like absolutely feeling like you died after your workout. You don't need those things to see results. Mm-hmm. If you, if time is a factor for people, what would you mm-hmm. say is more important if they have 10 minutes, some type of cardio or resistance bands or some kind of strength training? Strength training, hands down. Yeah. Here's the thing. If you're doing strength training at an appropriate intensity, which for me is usually around seven out of 10, right? Like one is sitting on the couch. 10 is like a max sprint, right? You want it to be around seven. If you're at that intensity, you're going to get a cardio effect by default. Yeah. Your heart rate is up. It's not cardio like going for a run, yeah. but it still counts. Yes, it does. And cardio is important. I'm not saying you shouldn't do cardio, but if it's a choice between one or the other, for sure strength training, especially for women. Yeah. Bone density, metabolism, body composition, so less fat, more muscle. Yeah, cardio offers some of those benefits, but not nearly as much as strength training. Yeah, yeah. Well, you are a fellow vegan. So let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about food and nutrition and how that factors into um, working out when you're, you know, older. So how important could it be to change your diet if you have goals to be healthier or aesthetic goals, as we mentioned earlier, to look better? Um, how important do you think switching to a vegan diet would be? It's super important, but honestly, I, I don't approach veganism from the health first perspective mm. because it is not a magic bullet. Yes, veganism will help, but it's not enough. You got to think about what kind of vegan diet are you eating? Where are you getting your nutrients from? You can eat potato chips. You could totally sit around and eat potato chips and Oreos all day and be vegan. (laughs) Right? Right? Add some Skittles in there, like all my favorite treat foods, you know? Um, So yeah, I mean, yes, veganism is related to lower cancer rates, generally lower BMI, which is, that's kind of a problematic measure for a lot of reasons in that it doesn't take muscle and fat percentages into account. But Mm -hmm. on a population level, generally vegans don't have as much body weight as non-vegans. There's other like legitimate health reasons that a plant-based diet of mostly whole foods is going to be beneficial, right? Like diabetes risk is reduced. Lots of chronic diseases like health or like health, heart disease Mm -hmm. is uh, the risk for that is reduced. But it's not enough. If you're not also working out in some form, and I don't mean go to the gym for four hours a day. I just mean what we just talked about, right? 10 minutes, 20 minutes. If you're also not thinking about what kind of foods you're eating, like are you getting the nutrients you need? Are you getting the variety you need? Veganism by itself is not going to be a magic bullet. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're doing that whole foods, uh, you know, or raw vegan kind of thing. I'm doing the Daniel Mm -hmm. fast right now, which, you know, for anyone who is not familiar, it's no alcohol. It's all plants, um, but it's no processed foods, no alcohol, no oils, which is Mm -hmm. a hard, no breads, um, but you can eat some, you know, grains, you know, brown rice, quinoa things. It's a really, really healthy way to eat for four weeks. And, um, Mm -hmm. So for me, even though I've been vegan for three years, I, I mean, I, I'm relatively a healthy eater. I mean, I do lean into 
some, you know, deep fried this and that every once in a while. Just Sure. We all need treat foods. <laughs> yes, we do. We do. But, you know, since COVID, I have been, I have not been working out as much as I usually do. Um, so I mm-hmm. definitely want to get back to it. But yeah, for friends of mine who are, it's, you know, it's January, they've been following me. Oh my gosh, Jackie, you look good. Your skin looks so good. What are you doing? And I'm like, it's mainly what I'm eating. <laughs> yeah, I'm absolutely. Eating. And so they do think that it is a magic bullet. A lot of people have that misconception that if you eat vegan, you're automatically going to Mm -hmm. lose Mm -hmm. weight and just be your healthy best. And that is not necessarily the case. And honestly, as kind of a side note, for us long-term vegans, it's been 18 years for me now, it's, um, I kind of feel like using the health first approach doesn't lead to long-term vegans Mm -hmm. as often as the ethics approach. Yeah. Here's the thing though. A lot of people come to veganism for health reasons, which is legitimate. There are health reasons. There are legit evidence-based reasons to be vegan for your health. So a lot of folks come into it from the health perspective and then down the road, they're like, oh, hey, there's other reasons. There's the environment, there's ethics, there's animal agriculture. And those are generally the reasons that people maintain veganism, but if you're only doing it for your health and that's it, yeah, it sounds a little cynical, but it doesn't usually lead to long-term 18-year vegans. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with you. I think that, but I do agree with you also to your point that, you know, a lot of times, no matter what reason people enter into, you know, eating vegan, that just because of the restaurants that they go to, the mm-hmm. you know, blogs that they go to, the inner, the web, the podcast that they listen to, they end up expanding, you know, their, their minds a little bit and leaning into, oh, I didn't know about this. And oh, I didn't exactly. know about that. And so yeah. like you said, eventually many of them do do it for ethical reasons, though it may not be how they began. And I love when that happens. I know. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when clients come in, in the fitness world, because the number one thing they want to change is how they look. And that happens of course, but they don't continue to train for looks. They continue to train for years and years because it's empowering because of how they feel, because of what they can do during the day, et cetera. So it's kind of the same, like it doesn't really matter why people come into this, but it matters why they continue. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I listen, I am all for that. I want people to just I want everybody to be. I know. That's me. I want. Don't we all? Don't we all? (laughs) So, how did you um, become vegan? When did you just eighteen years ago? What was the catalyst for it for you? Well, I was vegetarian first, so I went vegetarian when I was eleven, and that was yeah. And back then, this was late nineties. Back then not a lot of information available. You can't just like Google something and have, you know, slaughterhouse footage show up and all this stuff. So I honestly don't remember where that came from, but it was entirely ethical and, Hey, I don't want to support killing animals anymore, Mm. but it took five years, especially because I was young to figure out that there's actually no moral difference between the meat industry, the egg industry, and the dairy industry, they're all connected. And if you support one of them, you're supporting all of them. So it took me that long to figure that out. But when I did, I was like, man, I'm going vegan overnight. I started on January 1st, which was just, it seemed like a good day to start. But a lot of people are like, oh, is it a new year's resolution? But no, I'm not into new year's resolutions, (laughs) but it was entirely ethical. And 
kind of like what I was mentioning about other reasons coming in that happened to me yeah. where down the road, I was like, Oh, Hey, there's health benefits too. Cool. Oh, some people are going vegan now for athletic performance reasons. Like pro athletes are going plant-based for performance reasons. And Hey, it helps our environment too. So all of these pieces are now a part of the puzzle, but they weren't at first. Yeah. That's the same for me. I did it for ethical reasons. And then I was having some issues because um, I had trained for a couple of marathon, New York marathons. Awesome. My, my knee, one of my knees was bothering me and I had gone to physical therapy and you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and the doctor was like, well, you know, you're, it's, it's not a situation where you have to have surgery, but you know, just keep doing the physical therapy, but it just was not working and it got better. But I would still, you know, when I would wear heels, when I would get in and out of the car, um, hmm. just, I would, I would feel it when I would be sitting at a, a Broadway show, which, you know, they're, you're packed into the theater. And so the chair in front of you is right here. <laughs> I would just feel this, like in my knee, it just hurt so much. I went vegan and about, and I can't even remember the time, but it had to be like a month later. I remember walking up the subway steps in New York city and my knees, my knee, which usually would bother me at just a little bit of doll pain did not hurt at all. And I was like, mm, oh. mm -hmm. and I was noticing other things about my body that have been bothering me. You know, my bun, my beautiful bunions on my toes. Yeah. I would ache when I would put, you know, certain shoes on all of that went away. And so I went and hmm. Googled inflammation and veganism. And I was like, what? I don't more people know about this. Right. Wait, yeah. Wait a minute. You can get rid of all these aches and pains? What are you people doing? And so, and, and so Vegan Sexy Cool was born because I was like, everybody love it. needs to know about this. Everybody needs to know about this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, I know, love it. That is, that is my thing. So what is your workout uh, regimen? How often do you work out? What kind of workouts do you do? Let's say in a typical week. Okay. It's very regimented. And I do that because I try to create my environment to help me stick to my workouts. So I actually do every single one of my workouts other than my two swims with a buddy. So I have three different training buddies. One of them is in town. She's actually the only person in my social bubble right now, other than my husband. And the other two are really good friends of mine who live in a different city but we all have our own gyms. And so we train on zoom. So anyway, just as a background, like for me having that buddy and like Monday is this Tuesday is this Wednesday at 7 PM is this, that really helps to keep my schedule. Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to mention is just cause I have this workout schedule. doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody else. This is just what works for me, yeah. but I do two swims a week because I really like it as cardio. I don't do a ton of cardio. So swimming is, is what I do. Um, usually open water in the summer and like until maybe September in our area with a wetsuit is like manageable, <laughs> but around like first week of October, it gets a little cold to the point where you got to cut your workout short because it's so cold. And then I just head back to the pool. Um, so that's twice a week. And then every day other than uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm strength training. Tuesdays and Thursday mornings, I swim. So um yeah, it's usually broken up into upper body, lower body, mm -hmm. or full body. So I'm usually doing five or six strength training workouts and two swims every week. Yeah. 
That's it. That's good. I mean, I love swimming as well. I'm lucky to have an indoor pool where I live. And so, mm, yep. I'm like, oh, it's, the best. <laughs> it's, it's so the best. great. And also like I've got low back issues, kind of scoliosis, chronic issues that I just have to keep an eye on. And swimming is such good cardio if you're doing like freestyle, you know, lap kind of swimming. Yeah. But with no impact, yeah. which is great for folks like me with back issues. Yeah. I too have back issues. I have herniated discs. And mm, so brutal. really careful about it, but I've gotten to the point I had, I had great therapy for that. And I was able to really learn how to live with it and, and get past it. I rarely have back issues. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I'm lucky. So okay, <laughs> I want to, I want to jump over this last hurdle for people out there who are like, you know, maybe they've never worked out, but maybe they just kind of, you know, just hit a wall, especially with COVID and everything. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, the benefits mentally of working out. Um, and how that can really help some people, um, you know, deal with everything that's going on in the world. That's actually a really good point. And especially now the mental side or the mental component of working out is, is kind of on the forefront now. Cause understandably, a lot of people are dealing with anxiety and there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. So it's huge. And honestly, I think it's one of those things that you can tell people about, like, yes, working out is going to help you in the mental department, but you don't really get it until you've experienced it. It's kind of like runners who stereotypically don't think they need to strength train. They're like, eh, I run, I'm good. And then they start strength training and they're like, wow, this really has improved my running, (laughs) but you kind of have to do it before you can really really get it, if that makes sense. But yes, there's huge mental benefits. And a lot of our clients right now are saying like, working out is my sanity break. It's almost like a meditation. It's time for myself. The rest of the day, I have to either work or deal with kids or other responsibilities. And so there's a portion of it where it relates to taking time for yourself and doing something for your own health. But there's also a portion that relates to the workout itself. Mm -hmm. Like, focusing on the moves you're doing, feeling the muscles you're using, breathing, which is kind of meditative in a lot of ways. So I think the mental aspect is huge. Yeah, I I do too. I definitely do. So Karina, let everybody know where they can find you. You have a podcast. Tell us about that. Yes. The No BS Vegan. So it's it's, uh, every two weeks we have a a new guest on Mm -hmm. and it's It basically came out of what I thought was a lot of pseudoscience in the vegan world. Hmm. I don't know if you agree, but there's so much like detoxing and just concepts that are not science-based out there, specifically in the vegan nutrition and vegan fitness world. So we have on a bunch of guests, athletes, doctors, researchers, a whole variety of folks who are myth-busting essentially in the vegan fitness and nutrition realm. So it's Super fun for me. I've learned a lot from from my guests. So nobsvegan.com or iTunes, um, Apple Podcasts now it's called, I guess. Any Spotify, all that. Um, And there's a lot more, including free resources. So if there's listeners who are like, hmm, I want to go vegan, but I don't know where to start. Or hmm, I want to do some strength training, but I don't know where to start. We have a ton of resources on our website, karinainkster.com. Free downloads. There's a vegan grocery list if you want to check that out. Oh, nice ebooks you can download on nutrition for strength training as a vegan. Um, there's a how to go vegan 10 day course if you're interested, all free. So if you're if your uh, viewers and or listeners are interested, it's kind of the the hub of all things vegan strength training. 
I love that. I love that. Yeah, I do agree with you. I think it can be confusing too, with mm-hmm. detoxing this, supplements that, this kind, you know, it, it, it can be confusing if, if, particularly if you're just beginning and just trying to figure out exactly to train your brain on, you know, what to eat, what's nutritious, what your body needs. And now you're hearing about, you know, this and that and these supplements and that <laughs> it, it, it can be. It's okay. overwhelming. Totally. Yeah, it definitely can be. Um, and for those, I, I guess now is your, are you doing training online or what are you doing as far as, you know, your, uh, your fitness business? Yeah. So we've been completely online since 2017. So nothing has changed oh, okay. for us. <laughs> I thought you were specifically talking about the music, but online. No. Yeah. Yeah. So online coaching. Yeah, for sure. I work with an assistant coach, Zoe, and we've got another team member, Izzy, who does a lot of social media and podcast work. Um, but Zoe and I are the, the coaches. And so we work with vegans all over the world. Right now we have clients in Dubai and Switzerland, nice. Saudi Arabia. We have someone. Um, and so it's really just to offer more support instead of just seeing a coach for an hour at a gym and then saying, okay, see ya next week. (laughs) We are literally creeping on everything. Every workout you do, we can see that you've done it. Every workout you miss, we get a notification. We're looking at food logs. We are in touch with people as much as they want. So it's really more of a supportive ongoing thing versus just, Hey, here's a workout. See you next week. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a big difference because it's huge. It matters if you're mm-hmm. trying to reach particular goals. Exactly. Ah, well, Karina, this has been such a pleasure. It's been so lovely talking to you and I learned so much. And I think people out there listening and watching are going to learn a lot too. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Much appreciated. Yeah. Much appreciated to you as well. Okay, good stuff. Well, once again, great guest, and I learned so much. I don't know about you. Listen, I hope you enjoyed this candid conversation. One nugget that stuck out for me um, was that we must use our bodies as we get older, right? We only have one. Well, I want to know what advice or information here resonated with you. Feel free to let me know by leaving a comment here or on my website, vegansexycool.com, or on my social media at vegan, sexy, cool. And hey, please subscribe to this podcast and tell a friend. Until next time, everybody stay safe and sane. Bye.